here we are, episode 75. And they told us we would never continue doing this amazing podcast. It is the Cause I Have To podcast when living your dream is the only option. Did you know that, Greggy? Greg, did you know that? Heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've heard it once or twice. <laughs> Our next guest, Greg Fulliman in the house. Uh, he is a, an obsessed music fan. Uh, what, from what I hear, a vinyl collector, also a concert ticket collector, uh, yeah. probably been to more shows than anybody listening combined. <laughs> and uh, he just has a true love of music. Am I right, Greg? I do. It's definitely my passion slash obsession. Yeah. All right. We're going to find a do. We're going to do a deep dive uh, coming okay. up, coming up next. Welcome to the Cause I Have To podcast, where living your dream is the only option. We're your hosts. I'm Julie Slater. And I'm Jason Friday. And we've been scouring the earth for people living their dharma so we can share their stories with you. And hopefully we help you find your dharma. Let's do it. And we're back. Welcome to our cozy little pod, Greg Fulliman. I didn't even mention in the intro, did I, that you're the drummer of Rival Tides? No, that, that hasn't been brought up yet. <laughs> Oh, That's yeah. no big deal. He's only Side the drummer. He's only the lead drummer. Side note, uh, you're also in the band with Jason. Is that <laughs> we, how you guys are originally met? We, Yeah, we, we've spent one or two days together in our last de decade of knowing each other, decade plus. <laughs> Did you guys, um, oh my God. when you guys first met, was that when you were in the pre-Rival Tides? What was it called? Harris Grade? Harris Is that Grade. how you met? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I met him. Jason at our first like at my first tryout for you know coming in to uh, see if I could play drums and uh, I remember Jason was definitely like the icebreaker for the whole thing because um, Alex our guitarist at the time was a lot more serious um, Robert our singer was a little <laughs> late uh, and then Caleb our other guitarist I think was also a little bit late or something like that so it's just just Alex and me at first and it was just a little like stiff because Alex was very much like, I want to test you on how much you know these songs and what can you do, which is fair. And then Jason came in and he's like, I'm going to play a no effects song and start like doing all sorts of stuff. And it was like, oh, I know those songs too. Like, let's do that together. And it was like, oh, you're cool. We, we get like the same vibes of like music taste and everything together. And so like clicked pretty much instantly for that kind of like from moving forward and like musically and as people, which is nice. That's yeah, sweet. no, that's that's absolutely true. And we we found out speaking of music and shows and stuff, we found out later that Greg and I have probably been to 20 to 25 shows before even knowing each other, the exact same show, the same night, the same venue. Oh, that's I mean, funny. we you know, we probably walked past each other just going like, "Hey, how's it going? <laughs> See yeah. you in 10 years, 15 right. years, whatever, you know." It's pretty wild that that we've we've been connected without even knowing. And then, yeah, 2008 came and was like, oh, shit. that's what it reminds me of. Jason and I, we were both at that Dead Sarah oh, yeah. Square show and I introduced. Uh, oh, the next band that played after them. Wow. Uh, that band from the 90s. Was it Tonic? Tonic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> is a very odd bill. Yeah. 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 Dead oh, Sarah opens cool. for Tonic. <laughs> How many concerts do you think you've gone to? Do you actually have them numbered, don't you? I do. I have an obsessive <laughs> list. I was just pulling it up on my phone. I, It'll take I, me two seconds to see. I do. <laughs> I I have a weird thing where I just love making lists to keep, because like part of it is because when you get to a certain amount of them, you just can't keep track of it. Um, sure. I've been to more than 400 shows. Um and then plus live streams and stuff. So like my total thing of like performances watched is like 458 currently, but that's, that's like 20, 20 live streams or so too in the last two years. That's insane. I, I'm not surprised though. I mean, there was a time where even I was a part of it where you were going to shows minimally one to two times a week even. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my, there, there was like a stint of that, of that time. 
I think in uh, even prior to us knowing each other, I think in like 2005, I, I think I went to something like 50 in a year or something like that. Wow. It was like yeah. Almost like one per week is what it ended up averaging out to. I was like kind of disappointed. I was like so close to actually doing like 52 <laughs> in a year. Um, but I'm not going to like force myself to like go to a show if I don't want to go to it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. So how was the impact... I have another friend, uh, her name is Ricky, who I just, she's, it would be a competition of how many shows you guys have gone to, but how was the impact of the pandemic for you not being able to go to shows? Like, what did you do with yourself? It's it's funny because it didn't upset me as much as I thought it would. Uh, I was kind of thinking like, oh, this is going to be, you know, as everyone was like, oh, I miss shows and everything. It's like, I do. But for me, a lot of it is the FOMO of it all. And because they weren't happening, it was easier to not feel so like impacted by it, which is a little selfish because obviously it impacts the bands and everyone involved. Yeah. But as far as my own interests go, I wasn't like, oh man, I just didn't buy a ticket in time or, oh, I was busy that day or I just, you know, didn't hear about it and, you know, whatever. It was like, it, they just don't exist. So it's not something that I'm missing out on in that same regard because it was just the general, like nothing's happening. No one's seeing anything. And so there's nothing to miss out on in that kind of sense. That's exactly what, what I was going to say was it's, you know, they, they weren't there. So it wasn't like, oh man, I missed, I missed, you know, the, the potential being able to go because right. they weren't, they weren't there. They didn't mm -hmm. exist. So yeah, yeah. I, I get that. But didn't you like, even for me, and I'm not as big of a concert goer, even though I go to a lot of shows, when we watched Phoebe Bridgers play uh, a streamed show from Red Rocks and there was no one in the audience, watching her play a show like really hit me hard like oh my gosh i don't realize how much i miss shows hmm. Did yeah. you have any of that no you just don't care not too much inside? i mean i, I sometimes uh I, I mean i got <laughs> i got to see so many of the live streams that i still was happy to at least be able to see like the performances and yeah, i think i just yeah. kind of like watching i'm the guy in the back usually who's kind of like give me a space bubble let me kind of just like I'm standing there with my arms crossed, but I'm loving every second of it. I'm like nodding my head, but like arms are crossed. Uh, so it's like, I might not seem like I'm like thrilled to be there, but I am. And so it was still the thing of like, I can get to watch these bands from even kind of a closer vantage point yeah. for some of these streams. And so it really kind of, it, it, it scratched that itch for me where it was like, okay, I still get to watch performances, which is my favorite thing about the shows is, is the performances themselves. You know, the whole atmosphere is, is something that is missing in some of those. And there were a couple of them where you kind of would watch and you'd be like, oh, this experience is missing that for sure. Certain bands, you're just like, they're technically great. They sound amazing no matter what. And it's cool. Some of them, it's like, oh, half of what makes this band great is being there and feeling like the bass or the, you know, the energy that comes off of that. And, and so those ones, it was, you miss it, but it was also just kind of like, oh, you need that. Like it, it's, it's something that's like a big part of their experience as a band. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah, the Phoebe Bridgers was very emotional. And I remember watching and we were both just like. <laughs> but I guess also we sad. hadn't streamed shows until then. I was going to say was so. our first streamed show, I think. Yeah, that, that was like when it and was a very new thing. Yeah. And right, we had seen her six times prior to, to that. Right. So it was kind of yeah. like, wow, we've never seen her in this thing. Even she was like looking out and going whoa, this is kind of weird, not looking like they is were in the audience playing towards the stage. So yeah. they had a stage set oh, up in okay. in the bleacher. Yeah. And it was like facing. I know it was very odd, but they were just playing for the staff there. And, and was, was it there. was it just her? Or was it like a whole backing band with her? Her band. Yeah. Oh, her yeah. Band. Yeah. Her, her and her whole band. I mean, it was like eight of them, I think, something like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah, it was very holy moly. But again, that was at the beginning. That was when the pandemic was very serious and and more or less stressful on a lot of people and 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 new for that matter too. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot. What of was your going first show uh, going in person after all this? After all this, um, I went and saw Paris um, with uh, Christina, my wife. Um, for those listening who don't know who she is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we, we, went to go, we went to go see her, uh, see them, the band Paris uh, at the Fonda um, la last fall, I think it was, or, or no, spring, something like that. I think it was like in yeah. April last year. 
so we're like we had gotten vaccinated and everything and we were good that way it's still weird like it still hasn't shows in general because i've been to a, a decent amount of them at this point they still don't feel totally normal because there's just that extra level of stress of like what's like is there's risk to this is there not like it just doesn't feel like fully like relaxed and comfortable like it like used to be so I haven't it hasn't fully clicked in as much as like yeah I'm going to a concert I'm going to a show it's still not the same yet and so I'm eager to get to that point of just feeling like I'm just at a venue with friends and seeing a band perform and that's like all that's on my mind I'm not risking my life (laughs) right I'm not I'm not having to show extra proof of vaccination I'm not having to wear a mask and like or, right. you know, choosing to wear a mask, you know, for safety concerns and everything else, you know, yeah. just like I'm just walking in as myself and just flashing my ID to Sam 21 and let me into the club or whatever it is. And that's like all I have to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we were in China, though, that would be a normal everyday, you know, long time existence of things, which is wearing a mask. Let's go do a show. Oh, I'm already wearing a mask. I wake up. I'm wearing a mask. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's that's certain all... cultures. Uh, yeah. That have definitely been doing that for a long time, which is great. I mean, it keeps other people safe and um you know, spread if you don't feel well like yeah put on yeah. a mask and you know but yeah if i'm feeling fine and everyone else is feeling fine it'll be nice to like be that way and just casually roll in and breathe yeah what yeah. was your first concert ever ever was uh at the palace which is now the avalon in hollywood um and it was dropkick murphy's swinging utters lars frederickson and the bastards and thug murder and i was <laughs> 15 <laughs> That's awesome. I got my wallet stolen and my cousin got punched (laughs) in the face. He got punched in the face so hard that his tooth cut through his lip. Oh, and had to go get stitches afterwards. And so (laughs) my my aunt, his mom called my mom like I got home and immediately my mom's getting this phone call. And she's like, why is my uh, my aunt calling her? She's like, oh, we're going to the hospital right now because Brian's got to get stitches. And it's like no more concerts for you for a long time. Oh, that no. is terrible. Why God? Was it a long time? Uh I went to work tour a couple months later uh because my uh girlfriend at the time's mom was going to be there with us. Uh and she was like, she dropped us off and was like nearby <laughs> at the beach. Um and then and then Ventura? I started going to shows. Yeah, in Ventura. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah, so she's like, yeah, I'll take you guys to the beach and then just, or to the show and then just chill on the beach all day. Why not? Meet <laughs> me afterwards. And then uh, and then by that point and then the fall, so like the first show was like in April, I think. And then by fall, I went and saw, I think it was AFI, uh, was my next show back, like on my 16th birthday uh, at the Palace again. So that was like nice. extra special, yeah. Yeah, that's great. What would you say, mute, like... What does music do for you? I mean, it gives me purpose, really. I mean, it, it, it's something that, because I'm so interested in all aspects of it, as far as creation of it, you know, performing, writing, um, and then just kind of the ins and outs of, you know, um, going to see it. And then the ins and outs of like the business of it all kind of interests me too, where it's like, I am like, very fascinated by any friends who are like involved in that on like a higher level where they're like yeah you know we got this label thing or this band's talking about doing this deal or whatever it is and I'm just like tell me more like I would love to hear all about that it's not anything of like yeah your name dropping and whatever it's truly just like yeah like give it give it to me give me that information um and did I'm you just... ever consider getting into the music industry besides being in a band uh a little bit um I had I had interviewed at one point um, with Epitaph Records uh, for like a social media job, but the guy totally shut it down because I had mentioned that I was in a band and he was like, oh, you can't focus on your band and pretend to work here. Like you're not going to give it your all at this job. And I was like, the band's just a part-time thing. I need like a full-time job. And he completely just like, it was going great. And then he was just like, no. And then I looked on LinkedIn like six months later and he left the job like a month later. Oh why God. did you, why does it matter to you then if I don't Oh, even, what you know, a you know. son of a gun, dude. Yeah. That is such bullshit. I was so mad. And, and so at that point on, then I just kind of went into different things for career stuff where it was like, well, this is paying the bills in a way that I think is probably more successful or, or like better paying. So it allows me more 
income and, and free time to be able to pay to go to all these shows or spending time, you know, playing music with the band and everything like that. And so it's just worked out better to kind of balance my life uh, that way and not feel, also not feel any kind of resentment towards the industry if I'm working for it to truly yeah. just be like, it's a fun thing to think about and not something like, oh, work. Ugh, and I have it kind of tainted that way. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's a big thing. I was, it kind of reminds me of, I was sort of investigating getting into the wine world. like, mm. And then I thought, but I love wine so much. Maybe I'll just drink it <laughs> instead not, of be yeah. a part of it not get involved <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's side. <laughs> i've heard that time and time again from people specifically with music stuff again from people who went to school for music um friends of mine who went in as music majors end up like i've heard a bunch saying like i hate whatever instrument i play now mm. and like friends of ours have been like yeah I, i'm a trumpet player and i hate trumpet now or whatever it is because it's just it ruins the creativity and the yeah. like the true like love you have for it when it's turned into like a regimented like you're doing this for work you're doing this for practice like homework or business or whatever it is it takes out the joy you have from it because you're obligated to do it on a daily basis whether or not you're feeling creative or anything like that and and I didn't want that either so that was something that always kind of stuck in my mind even regardless of drumming as far as that goes versus you know being working just in the industry it was still like I don't want that to be a tainted thing for me so it worked out that way to just kind of keep it separate and how long have you been in bands like when was your first band Uh, my first band was in high school Um, we were called the niblets we were a (laughs) punk band Um, that's very funny it was and it was actually like we have no recordings of it because it was we couldn't afford to go anywhere to record it and it was just like maybe on like a tape deck that we set up in like our my garage um but it was like yeah like something that would totally be on like fat records like anti-flag no effects rise against ish kind of all in that kind of world of it all um and that was pretty fun and then went into like kind of like screamo metalcore stuff and some more high school bands and then I had a band that I was kind of the main force behind for a while, basically through college called The Document, and had just an issue of like revolving door of singers and couldn't keep like a second guitar player. And so as a bass player, guitarist and myself were the only ones in it, like consistently. And it just finally got to a point where like I had a kind of falling out with one of the other members and needed a new band. And uh found Alex's or Alex found me looking for a band on MySpace classifieds. <laughs> so Good old MySpace classifieds. Yeah, it was a service that existed for like five minutes, I think. And I happened to post something saying I was looking to start like a a gritty, like punk rock and roll band like the Bronx or something along those lines, cancer bats kind of stuff. And Alex was like, we don't play that kind of music, but it's kind of close. Come join our, or come try out for us. And it was very different, but I was like, eh, I can do this too. And this seems fun. You guys are like active and doing shows and releasing music and doing all the things that like the, the basics of making music and, you know, being in a band that I really wanted to accomplish. Cause I'd only ever just done like, you know, cruddy demos at that point and random concert or shows, but nothing very substantial nothing that I would say like, like brag worthy kind of stuff or anything. And so this was like, oh, you guys are actually taking this seriously and I want to be a part of something like that. So it was a nice change. How many albums have you guys recorded with Rival Tides? Did you ever record with Harris Great? We did, uh, well, well, Harris Great before I joined, before Jason and I joined, did uh, an EP. Yeah. And then Harris Grade with the two of us included did a full length album called Lipstick Politics. And worked with a producer who kind of messed things up a little bit for us. I think kind of yeah. was off track. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And so it got to a point where we were kind of like, this isn't really what we want to do um, musically. And it just kind of felt a little off track to be like where we could see ourselves going forward. And yeah. with the name Harris Grade being the most difficult name in the world to remember, uh, you'd tell it to someone and they'd think hairless grave or 
Hairspray. Or they would just straight up forget <laughs> hairspray. Yeah. Or yeah. they would just forget. You'd tell them, they'd be like, yeah, I'm in a band called Hairspray. They're like, oh, cool, cool. What's your band called again? Like, I just said it like five seconds ago. Yeah. Uh, and so we're like, we need to change the band name and let's do a whole refresh of everything. And so we started working with a new producer, uh, Eric Ron, and worked on some new songs and figured out a new band name. And all of that kind of came together to be Rival Tides, which felt more like this is what we want to do. This was really like what we're excited about. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. It Rival Tides what is is what Harris grade was trying or should have been basically yeah. once you and I joined the band. Yeah. Cause, cause you're right. Like they, they actually did two EPs before, right. before we yeah. joined. Yeah. Which we was speak of the first song. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first one was my old drummer. They, he engineered and produced them. So right. they did everything with him. And then their second thing was with Kyle black, which That's was right. obviously the next level is much better. Yeah. Which yeah, much better. But then you're right, though. Lipstick politics kind of took a weird like, wait, where are we going? What's happening here? Well, the producer tried to have us water it all down. He was like, you guys should sound like Muse because Muse is a big band and they're doing really cool stuff. But we weren't (laughs) really capable of making like Muse is an incredibly creative band and really unique. And we weren't at that level, truly, like as musicians or writers and everything else. And so we just kind of wrote these watered down rock songs that he was like, yeah, this is this is it like. This is going to sell. Yeah, Yeah. it was like, this is nothing. This doesn't sound like anything very unique or, I mean, there's some stuff that is fun and cool in that, but it just really didn't click the way it could have and should have. And we weren't led to, with with this producer at the helm of it all, we weren't led to a way to like really push ourselves to get to that point. And so it was pretty clear by the point of like releasing it, it was like, yeah, we already know this isn't, it got us, you know, some stuff, some successes and things like that. We got to play a date on Warp Tour and we played some other cool shows, Troubadour shows and things like that. But yeah. it really wasn't where we kind of expected it to kind of, not that there's any ever expectation of like, we're going to be rich and famous off of this, but it was like, we didn't, ex- like we wanted it to still, we thought there was better potential uh, for us as a band to do more and that release didn't really carry us to that level. Yeah. Well, there were two guys that expected to be rich. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. I mean, we all did at one point, but that was also like 100 years ago. So we well, got past that. To tie in passion and things about this, I think part of it is, you know, if creating the music has to be the first part of that whole thing, right? The whole yeah. process. And, I think there was a point where business became the focus and it was like, we have a record now, we have an album. So that means we will be successful because we have an album and we can like sell the album. And it was like, yeah, I mean, we do, but we weren't like jumping up and down being like, this is the best thing. Like we did so, you know, such cool stuff with this. It was like, we have it and it exists. It's a product. And that really, to me, at least that's my perspective or perspective of it, perception of it. and that's the thing where like it really didn't it was lacking in that regard of um you know like if we're not hyped about it like we were excited again we have a record cool but we weren't excited like look at the music we made or listen to the music we made and that i think was the difference where rival tides once that started up i for me personally, especially, I was much more like, we have, we made music, we recorded an album, but also it's rad and I'm excited about it. And please listen to this because this is the best thing we've ever done kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And how many records have you recorded with Rival Tides? Did you say that? We've done two EPs and a full length. Yeah. Wow. Is that? Oh yeah, you're right. I did a seven song EP first that we recorded in two different sessions and then combined it into a seven song thing. So it's almost like a short full length or I was going to say it's like a, yeah, it's like a three quarter full length. Spotify (laughs) counts it as an album because it hits seven songs. And I think like seven is the minimum or something like that to be like, Oh, you're right. It like categorizes it differently, but then we did that. And then a five song EP. And then we sat down and said like, we want to make like an official, like this is our like full length album. And put everything into it and really just kind of like do it how we want to do it and not have a producer that we didn't like believe in uh be a part of it we wanted someone that we were on board with 
and we worked with uh, Bo Burchell from uh, Seosin uh, to produce it and really connect with him and put something out there that we all just kind of like teamed up on and said like, yeah, we're all in on this and, and we're excited about it. And that's yeah. the last album. What is that? That's called? that one's my God is fire. Uh, yeah, it's our latest. We released it in 2019. Uh, seven, eight months before the pandemic or a year before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, now what's the latest with rival tides? You guys been writing? Um, yeah. I mean, we, we've been writing pretty regularly. Um, you know, early stages of the pandemic, we weren't getting together. And I think it was that weird feeling of like lacking creativity at that point because you're just sitting at home all day and like I'm I'm very envious of people who have been able to turn out not turn out but like create during those times where you know bands have I set, feel like you know, a lot of people couldn't yeah, yeah. Or I, I think it's, it's kind of like all or nothing like some yeah. have yeah. been like we wrote two more albums because we've just been sitting at home and like just wanted to make music and we made it and others are like i've been sitting at home and it's just the what why why bother why you know i got nothing going on and so it was really tough um and it started with like i think me kind of going into the studio by myself just to play drums because i just there was a span of time for like six months maybe where i wasn't drumming at all even um and it was like i gotta get back on the drum set and just start playing because even if I'm not writing, even if I'm not playing with a band, I need to just drum. I need to like get like myself back into that. And I'm yeah. glad I did because I was super rusty. It was like the longest span of time I'd gone without playing music, maybe since I started playing drums, which is weird. How and, old were you when you got your first drum set? Um, 12, I think. I started playing when I was like, um, 11 I started in junior high school and I got my first kit shortly after that once I started learning so I think it's about 12 and so yeah that entire time so basically um 20 plus years I had drummed regularly enough even without bands or between bands I was still kind of doing enough stuff to keep busy with it and this was suddenly just a complete like not touching a drum set I brought my electronic kit home and just didn't play on it because it was just it still makes enough noise where it was kind of bothering neighbors um there's still enough like tappings and everything else and it kind of like yeah. starts vibrating the floor a little bit as i'm kind of like drumming <laughs> and, and it's enough stuff where it's like okay that's i'm i heard a neighbor knock on the wall once i'm like okay that's not gonna work um I think the my old knock on the wall i think my neighbor's bedroom's literally behind me here and this is where i had the drums was oh in that's this so room. funny and so i heard it i'm like oh that's bad so <laughs> that didn't happen and then yeah so I just started kind of playing along to music filming myself just with a cheap GoPro just to kind of like give myself something to do make some content of it um and then finally once we started getting vaccinated and everything uh started getting back together and playing and uh so yeah we've just been writing a lot of random ideas um whether it's for this or we've talked about doing a couple little like side project things with our guitarist Spencer to just again more output for ideas where it's like if it's not a rival tide song maybe we have some you know we as jason and i are both wearing heavy hardcore band shirts <laughs> yeah. you know maybe write some music that's a little bit on the more aggressive side or something like that or even some poppier stuff to kind of balance it out and just whatever wherever that applies to cool but at least we're just you know having good timing time taking advantage of our time together to make more music again yeah, who are your favorite that. drummers um my favorite of all time is nate young from amberlynn um i really like his creativity and his uh performances always captivated me because he's you know i've seen so many drummers where they're just kind of like straightforward just kind of they play and it's fine he like full body plays drums um where it's like it's you know he's like probably a little sore the next day kind of a thing and that's something that I always have, like try to like emulate too, because I want someone to be able to, if they're watching me play, I want them to like be entertained by it, you know, as much as like, you know, the drumming, I, you know, that has to come first as far as the quality of the drumming goes, but then it's like on a live performance, if I'm just sitting there, it's not that thrilling. And so I'd rather like put the same energy that matches what the song is doing 
into my body because I can't run around on stage. I can't do guitar spins or crazy, whatever kind of thing. I can't like engage the crowd in that way. So I want to at least be something where if you look over at me, I'm not just sitting there looking bored or something. And, and so that was something where first time I saw him in a music video, like that guy's going nuts and playing this cool stuff. And that's impressive. Um, Can you play along to Rush songs? I've not really tried. I've, um, I don't listen to a lot of classic rock, which people <laughs> hate me for. Who's uh, Rush? <laughs> R.I.P. Neil. Is that Kurt. a band I should know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I. No, I, Pert. 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 Um, I mean, twenty-one, twelve, and all that is awesome. But like, I, I just didn't grow up with it, and so it didn't serve as my background for music creativity or interests and everything. And like I said, I respect the skills that they have because it's incredible musicianship, yeah. especially again uh, with Rush. Um, but I, I kind of only got into music shortly, like around the same time I got a drum set, honestly. So it was like, suddenly I'm into a lot of like punk stuff. So I grew up in, in listening to punk. So it was like um, Adam Carson from AFI and um, Josh Freese from the Vandals is, is definitely a huge influence. Um, one of my favorite drummers of all time. Um, yeah, he's incredible. The, the, the cliche <laughs> Travis Barker of Blink-182 because he, I mean, he's... He's just an incredible drummer, like regardless. Well, we um, liked him before he, he, we liked him when he was the drummer of the Aquabats when. Right. And yeah, that, and that yeah. record still to this day is probably the best Aquabats record. And it, and I would dedicate that to Travis Barker and his insane skills. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he put that, that was like, that was the first like band I got into. Yeah. Uh, it was, was the Aquabats back in junior high. A friend of mine uh, named Debbie, she told me about him and I was like, this is weird and cool and fun and it wasn't too serious at all yeah. um but also like the talent like for me it's like hearing drums is is the kind of first thing that catches my attention for a lot of artists um obviously there's the whole thing has to be good and it has to keep my attention for me to be like a fan of it but that was something where immediately I was like whoa this is different and this is unique and good and I want to hear more of this. How about that Toto drummer? Jason's always playing the, you know, the guy who created the one drum beat from a there Zeppelin. Was, yeah, so there's. Can you explain it? <laughs> Jeff Procaro. Yeah, he, uh, so it's called the Rosanna Shuffle because there's a shuffle beat in the song Rosanna. Mm -hmm. And he took it from Full in the Rain by Zeppelin. So Bonham. And another one uh from i forget what song it was but i think it was a steely dance song mixed with the bo diddley beat which is with the shuffle on the snare and the the count on the hat so anyway <laughs> <Okay. laughs> see we're educating Sorry. you greg yeah, yeah. I, I i just love it because i grew up with it and obviously my dad being a drummer uh he was always like jeff Picaro, ah! i mean the Picaro brothers are probably some of the most brilliant musicians and and songwriters ever mm -hmm. so yeah it's anyways yeah i kind of nerd out and i mean we probably of course should talk about dave grohl and also um you know finding out the sad news about taylor hawkins the other oh day. my god how do yeah. you feel about them as drummers i mean it seems like you know dave grohl seems like he's always been just a phenomenal drummer i don't know if you've been a big fan of his yeah i mean i I didn't grow up listening to a lot of Nirvana or anything. Um, again, I kind of came into music stuff um, after like the grunge phase kind of stuff of it all. Um, you're too mean, young. Are you trying to say you're too young for us uh, old folk? No, not too young. Just kind of out of touch <laughs> with it, honestly. I was like, going to say, I think it was more like just a late bloomer type it was, of thing. Yeah, it was just a thing where I wasn't yeah. exposed to it. Yeah. And, and then you know anyone who hears me say these kind of things is gonna be like oh that guy sucks then like right now <laughs> i mean there uh, were genres i totally ignored because i was obsessed with like you two and tom petty so yeah mm -hmm. yeah you, you were... sometimes you just get focused on a certain genre that, yeah but also like when you're like greg and i were big punk rock heads and everything else was shit it's like if you're not yeah. punk rock you suck yeah, you know so, I mean? yeah i just want to hear fast fast loud stuff. that's it and that right. was it and grunge is not fast typically it's a little more you know kind of the groovier kind of stuff that way um you know yeah. obviously there's fast songs but like it just didn't 
hit me the same way uh, to catch my, to keep my attention. Um, but I mean, yeah, Dave Grohl's contributions to drumming are just, you know, undeniable. Um, Foo Fighters is a band, you know, Nirvana, of course, but even, you know, Foo Fighters as a band has been one of those, like, like the last great rock band kind of thing is, you know, many people have kind of referred to them as. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, Dave still, you know, playing drums and different things has been cool to see where it's not like, yeah, I used to be a drummer and now I'm, you know, a singer guitarist and that's all I want to be known as. He's like, yeah, I'll pop in and play drums on a Queens of the Stone Age album. Why not? Or you right. know, Probot or whatever other stuff he's done. Um, he did Probot um, where it's, you know, he like still, you know, is contributing to that and, and you know, being an influence on that level. Um, all the stuff with uh, that awesome girl, um, uh, Nandy, I think her name is, uh, during the uh, pandemic. Oh, that little girl up. who could play drums. Yeah, so they had the whole band. drum off competition back and forth. It was so cute. Like, oh I'm, my God. I'm not typically one to like watch, like people will send me stuff of like kids playing drums and you get to a point where it's like yeah it's cool but you know there's not something necessarily exciting about every single one of them it's just like yeah it's a cute little kid playing drums i get it um not to sound again heartless and soulless <laughs> here but dumb kids they care who cares so what they're good that's come up twice now so that's a recurring thing about me um but i appreciate I hope you don't get canceled of, because of i know this podcast <laughs> Greg hates kids. Uh, yeah. yeah, but with her, it was always like she is very talented, and the energy she put into it was on a whole nother level. It wasn't just like, oh, look what a kid is it capable of doing, just back and forth, snare, hi hat, drum, uh, bass drum, whatever. It was like truly she's yeah. rocking out playing these songs and putting her everything into it. And so it took it to a whole nother level. It was like, oh, this is awesome. And obviously, it caught Dave Grohl's attention, and you know, that turned into that whole thing. And then flew her out to play with Foo Fighters last fall, um, which is so cool. Like that, you know, he was so engaged in that whole thing. Um, yeah. And and then yeah, I mean Taylor Hawkins to be able to comfortably share a stage with a legendary drummer in that way. Like musicians have egos, and that's an intimidating thing to come in and be like, yeah, I'm the drummer for a drummer. I'm the drummer for Dave Grohl. <laughs> it's not just like some, like no offense to Robin, our singer, but Robin's not a drummer. So I never have felt intimidated by if Robin says, let me sit on the drums for a second. I say, yeah, have at it, go for it. <laughs> but if Dave Grohl sits at the drum set, he's going to maybe show you up and do amazing things. And you're like, oh yeah, why am I in this band again? <laughs> like he could do this stuff. And I mean, he did, you know, he recorded the first uh, album, all you know, the drums for the first uh, Foo Fighters record for Color yeah. and the Shape. Dave Grohl. Um, yeah, Dave Grohl. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, before Taylor Hawkins came in um, on drums. And so like, that's a brave thing to do. And, and he was able to keep up with it. And it wasn't just like, yeah, he gets the job done because we need someone live to do it, whatever. It was like, he became the drummer and was such an active part of the band. Uh, you know, like, all their great music videos where they play different characters you know you'd always oh, yeah. see he was also one of those you know they got everybody in the band in the videos but like you could tell he was just very game for whatever they were doing of dressing up in like as babies or you know um i think dave Grohl was the baby but like yeah. you know putting like wigs on and bonnets on and whatever else dresses and you know just ridiculous things and just like fully committed to it yeah and and all, you know, having the drumming to match that and to be this person, you know, on stage, just doing awesome stuff. And yeah, again, like I said, like with Dave Grohl leading the charge, but also backing that up. And it's just such a like yeah. challenging thing to be able to step into and yeah. to meet that challenge. Right. Yeah, it's, which makes this loss even more terrible. Obviously, if he was a terrible person, we'd be like, yeah, cool. I know. He does seem like he was the greatest guy in the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody, you know, it's it's like you're seeing 50-50 of like people saying like, what a great drummer. But then you're also seeing the stuff of like, what a great person. Yeah. And what a, you know, positive, um, great energy, you know, bringing to the room, bringing to the stage, um, bringing to any kind of interaction. You know, there's plenty of musicians that I follow who have had 
various you know interactions with him over the years and yeah it's not just the kind of generic like oh r.i.p to a legend but you know yeah. it's it's like i met him this time and he did this and you know we spent all this time together and we did this and this it's like very detailed stuff yeah and not to even like brag about how they know them but truly saying like this guy like had an impact on me and left a mark and yeah and he'll be you know deeply missed in that regard right it's it's freaking unbelievable oh taylor god man i feel so bad for dave girl as well yeah well it's like what you said and i even texted a few people uh i forget how it was worded but dave was the drummer and lost his best friend and the front man and now dave is the front man and lost the drummer and his best friend like yeah mm -hmm. i mean it's the worst the worst it's it's freaking just oh my god okay um (laughs) let's pick it up a little everybody um how about your vinyl collection uh before we close out um how long have you been collecting vinyl i have a feeling you've been doing it way before it was cool um vinyl's always been cool um (laughs) i have been collecting records for um i actually just looked right before we started talking so i could like say this um for 20 years (laughs) um i bought a uh, a record off of eBay, um, a Vandals record. Uh, nice. to, again, clearly tie back to my punk rock interests. Uh, they had like a, a seven inch record that uh, wasn't available like on a CD. It was like some special, like it was called uh, Fat Club because it was on Fat Records. And I was like, I, my parents have a record player. I don't even have one yet, but I wanted to like get to hear these songs and to have a copy of it. And because yeah, my parents, like my parents support music. My parents, my mom plays piano. They support me very much playing music. They're, you know, my brother is a music teacher. My sister has been a choir teacher. Um, my mom taught us all how to play piano. So it's like, but I, I, for whatever reason, just like they listen to music a little bit growing up, but not a ton that really connected with me, I guess. Um, there was, you know, like Michael Jackson stuff that I, you know, listened to growing up, but not something where I was like, it wasn't my parents saying like, sit down and listen to this. Like, you got to check out this band. Like Jason, like you're saying with your dad, where it's like, let me tell you about all the theory guys and all this kind of the details. It was just like, this is a good song. And it's, it's, it's catchy and fun. And so I didn't get into even like the record stuff necessarily through them. It was just like, I wanted more of these bands that I liked. And so I started kind of grabbing random things where like, I got that Vandals record. I got something from Tiger Army. I think, I think I won a record of theirs. Um, some contest and then just kind of slowly but surely as records became more accessible and also when you could get them with like download cards uh, that was really the moment where it all kind of like changed for me where I was like I don't have to miss out on like listening to this in the car I can buy this and still get a copy or I could download stuff illegally Um, (laughs) what I mean, you what? you do that, or I mean, you did that. Excuse I, me, did did did, did, did. <laughs> never anymore. I don't. I, mean, I don't anymore because it was all that stuff is like kind of done now. But like, yeah, um, yeah, it was something where it's like I could still get access to digital copies of this music, put it on either a burned CD or an iPod or something like that, and then have this nice physical record that I could truly like keep and collect and and it was you know unique and limited and really kind of made it a whole extra level of special that cds didn't quite hit even though i did collect cds a little bit too uh then it was like oh i want to be all in on this i like keeping again lists of all the records i have and limited editions and whatever else and you know i don't collect too many of like the variants of things because that starts getting stupidly expensive when you're like i have 10 copies of the same record and i'm only listening to one of them um it's fine if you're only doing it for like a specific band when yeah. i loved you too it would make me so mad because they would come out with like an album that had one different song so then i had to buy it you know yeah. it was just like it was driving me crazy <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah they special edition do things that. right yeah. <laughs> i have a couple of those where it's like i still keep a couple cds because they came with like special like dvd kind of accompanied things like amber oh, yeah. albums had that so I'll have the CD version of it still on top of the, the vinyl version because it's like, well, this is different a little bit. So I want that piece too. 
but yeah, yeah. you just like collect them all and it's a little too much <laughs> so you have to kind of like as i've gotten more of my collection i've had to be like okay i gotta draw the line somewhere and it's yeah. at multiple copies of either the same record or slight variations that just it's too much money for the sake of it yeah That's yeah fine. very true i just wanted to throw something out real quick um that we hadn't gone over uh <laughs> you worked in a library I did. Um, Julie worked in. I a ran bookstore. a bookstore as in oh, cool. my late teens. I did not know that. Yeah. What did you do in the library? I started off as a page, um, put basically shelving books, um, putting stuff away, um, and then other odd tasks. And then uh, went to a different library. <laughs> so I've actually worked at two of them. And uh, then the second one, I was an aide. So I was checking out books to people. And then also, um, processing um like new books as they arrived to kind of make sure all the like labels were on there correctly and uh and then I also became their like tech guy so I was anytime guests had issues with computer logins or something was frozen or something most of the time it was just hitting reset on it and being like here I fixed it for you because I <laughs> like they were you know public computers they're not the best so I was like yeah, yeah this is all yeah. I can really do I'm not gonna hack the system to get you you know back into your email account um <laughs> but I'll hit restart and to the point where you know regulars would be like I got it dude here I did it for you <laughs> cool thank you yeah. uh but yeah I, I did a lot of that stuff and uh it was, it was fun I actually I loved the job it just yeah I just had to start getting into like career stuff after that yeah right how long did you do that for again a total of 43 years close to seven years i think <laughs> that's what i thought i thought i kept thinking seven or something like that because you were i think weren't you still there or at least right around when you joined uh the band i think so yeah, yeah. i did it all it like college. the tail end yes. yeah okay i did it like most of high like half of high school and almost the entirety of college um right. or more than college i think or something like that yeah because i did it into like internships for college it was like a long long time right yeah Okay, guys, so we're awesome. uh, at the point in the program where it's five o'clock somewhere. And I ask you five quick questions to get to know you better. Greg, are you ready? Yes. Okay, question number one. You have to choose one of these, and you can't have the other two for the rest of your life. Which do you choose? Rockstar Energy Drink, Peach Ring Candies, or Uncrustables? Man. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone listening has got like, oh, cool, you're talking to a child. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. These are adult. all enjoyable. Jason so, yeah. just knew all these little weird things that you love. Um, I'd probably say Uncrustables because it's my breakfast of champions. Oh, yeah. And because I've never had one. And because I, I drink Monster Energy drinks typically. So uh -huh. that'd be my Oh, oh was it Monster? Okay. Yeah. Well, you okay. would still choose Uncrustable over Monster. Uh, actually, I might have to choose energy drinks. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then I was I was wrong. On that. Yeah, energy drinks would be my first. All right. Though. Question number two. <laughs> okay. What well, What would your dream concert, like an artist living or dead, name the opener and headliner? Um, I don't know because I've seen so many bands where I'm like, do I try to go with something that like I'd never seen before? Um, I don't know if I have one at this point. Because you've seen them all? I've seen all the bands that I've like wanted to see. For a long time, it would have been refused because they had broken up for so long. And it was like, God, yes. I wish they'd gotten back together. And then they did. And then they released a couple albums that aren't very good. So I'm kind of like, uh, they could stay broken up now. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but like my, my favorite band to see live is Amber Lynn. Um, but I don't know, I'd probably say, just also to get them back, even though I've seen them a bunch of times, something with Dillinger Escape Plan. Um, you know what, actually I have my dream concert and now it can't happen. Uh, it's it's every, time I die, every Time I Die, The Bronx, uh, and He Is Legend would be there my perfect lineup with Every Time I Die as the headliner. Uh, yeah, and don't worry uh, if you're listening, I don't know those bands either. Um, <laughs> Jason's wearing one of their shirt, one of the shirts, but they, uh, 
yeah, I know that they I just broke up. broke up, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I've seen all three bands, you know, plenty of times, but yeah. they just it, it was something that I always had in my mind is like this would be like the lineup. This would be like such a great show. Put all those three bands together and it's got kind of a rock and roll heavier southern rock kind of thing going on and it would just feel like a good vibe for like a three band bill and yeah. i said that i think a few different times I'm like this would be a cool show and it won't happen now every time i die broke up <laughs> okay uh question That's number true. three name your biggest pet peeve oh my gosh uh, so man. Many. i have so many i'm such a weirdly particular person <laughs> oh man pet peeve that's a whole separate podcast. Um, <laughs> Greg's pet peeves. Welcome to yeah. episode seventy-five. Of oh Greg's my god, the pet peeve podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I love alliteration, so that works. Yeah, great. yeah. Um, um, people not taking care of other people's things is the first one to come to mind, especially because we're talking about records and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm certain I have other ones, but like, if you're borrowing something from someone else. Um, something i was always taught growing up was like if you're borrowing something from someone you give it back to them in at least the same condition you borrowed it if not better so if you messed it up somehow you're either buying them a new one or you're fixing it um or replacing it one way or another um and you know i've had times where i uh, very specifically i let a friend in high school borrow a cd and it came back with like slices on the underside of it i don't know how he did it i don't even know how like (laughs) It was like, yeah, it was like he took like a knife to it or something because it was very specific little spots. It wasn't like he just like rubbed it on like a rough surface or something. God. And I was like, dude, this is not how I gave this to you. Like, I, I'm very pristine about like the stuff. Like, I take care of my stuff very specifically. And so when people don't do that same for something that they're borrowing, it, it's, it's really frustrating to me because it just seems kind of like a, a lack of appreciation for someone else's stuff belongings yeah, yeah that's right yeah okay question number four all right if you could erase one band music artist from the world which would it be oh i don't know <laughs> i've made it an i've made it a goal of mine who was i i just talked trash about a band in the, in the like our group chat the other day i can't even remember who it was now but um i've made oh, it God, a goal to like not trash talk any other band because i just always know that like even if stuff that i don't like and there's plenty of stuff that i don't like um but someone does and someone's really excited about it and it might be something that it's a a gateway band to someone else that they truly like that i do appreciate or something like that where it's like oh you got into them because of like you like the the screaming stuff they're doing well check out every time i die or whatever it is um something else that like i would actually get pumped about and so I just would never want to be someone putting out that kind of like negative thoughts about bands publicly. Like I said, there's somewhere I'll kind of like have grudges or gripes about whatever kind of a thing, but I, I don't like putting other bands down just because yeah. I also know someone to easily turn it around and be like, look at your band, you guys suck or whatever. And it's like, oh shoot, yeah. I kind of brought that upon myself. That's not exactly. great. <laughs> okay, question number five. Um, uh, when it's your time to leave this planet, what is the last song you'd like to hear? Oh man. Um no pressure. <laughs> yeah, there's only 300,000. <laughs> One we haven't written yet. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I would probably say um Finn or Finn by Amberlynn. Um it's the last song in their album Cities and oh, yeah, yeah. it doesn't specifically necessarily like life and death kind of a thing all that much like if it was supposed to be like kind of like in a themed kind of a way which part of me wants that to be too you know but it's just a a song that like is the perfect last song on an album like i've I've, i don't know a better last song there's other ones that are really cool um but this is one that just they just did it right and it feels like it's something where they ended their concerts with it most of the time that I've seen them. Um, like when they broke up for a while, it was like the last thing they played and just has a lot of like weight to it. 
um there's a part with like a choir that comes in and everything so it's just like i don't know it's just really well done and really just kind of like it's my favorite album of all time and so i I think even though there's other songs that i might say like my favorite song or whatever that's the one where it's like this just feels like an ending in the best way possible hits the most i do have a bonus question do you have any band tattoos <laughs> so Amberlynn um, is a recurring. Theme. Who are they? Yeah, um, I have a minor. I heart Amberlynn. Amberlynn. Yeah. If we can, if we can go on tour with Amberlynn, that'd be great. I have a big old Amberlynn tattoo on my leg. Um, it's got other. Kind is it, of what is it? Is it a symbol, or I can't couldn't see it? It's a lighthouse. Um, uh, oh, that's part of in Berlin. I didn't don't know if I knew that. Yeah, that yeah. specifically isn't. Um, the lighthouse is actually tied into something else regarding um, a comic um, talking about passion. Funny enough, uh, the whole thing is all it's it's a whole thing dedicated to passion. Like truly, uh, it's it's from a comic where someone's talking about what they want to do after school, and they go into this whole thing about like, I want to uh, work in a lighthouse because I want to help people find their way. And um, I get to live on the ocean and kind of do this thing that like makes me really excited. And then they're like, oh, what do you want to do? And they're like, oh, I want to maybe go to to be an accountant, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It's something like that where they're just kind of like, uh, Um, and then they're like, oh, do you want to come visit me at my lighthouse? Like, yeah, that would be nice. Thank you. And so I liked the kind of idea of like, even though it's not, um most lucrative kind of a thing i imagine you know it's something like just knowing what you want to do um and you know kind of choosing a lighthouse as that thing is you know obviously kind of a wayfinding symbol in general and so amberlynn has a lyric that says it's not about the money we make it's about the passions that we ache for and so i have it's about the passions that we ache for um on script around the lighthouse on either side so it all kind of ties together that way um and then I also have a minor threat tattoo for being straight edge. So that's nice. right. Two band tattoos. <laughs> Two band. I'm glad I asked. Yeah. I and I actually right. forgot about them. <laughs> I'm a terrible friend. <laughs> I forgot about your lighthouse that's on half you of your been leg. <laughs> staring at his body lately. <laughs> that's right. I haven't been able to. to yeah, exactly. the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, it's been winter too, so I've not been showing up in like shorts and flip flops or anything. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Practices. It's been a long time since I've seen your legs. It's been I a long it. winter. I miss yeah. them. <laughs> it's been a long winter. All right, Greg Fulliman, the drummer of Rival Tides, music fanatic, concert goer, vinyl collector. It's been a joy having you on the pod. Thank you for thank sharing you. your passions about music. Yeah, we're all music heads. Yeah, man. Together we bond. Yes. And now that completes the Rival Tides band. Yeah, we've had every member of Rival Tides on. The Tides trifecta. Yeah. T- <laughs> That's right. I know. Well, well, I guess maybe one time, actually, I thought about this the other day. You should have me on. <laughs> oh, I interview you as a guest? Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll do and it. And I'll interview you. Okay. That'll be a fun little thing. <laughs> We're crazy. We're All right. Nuts. Thanks so much Get for being on episode 75 of the Because I Have To Podcast. Welcome to the Afterpod, where we talk about our guest after they leave the room. That was Greg Fulhaman, who doesn't know what the Afterpod is because he hasn't been listening to the podcast. So that means we get to talk about him even more. He said he probably won't even listen to this podcast because he doesn't like to listen to the sound of his own voice. (laughs) Good thing he's not a front man. (laughs) Yeah, right. You'd be screwed, yeah. Um, he does have a loud, projective voice, though. Very close, similar to uh, Lore. Lore? Lori. His, his... LL? Yeah, Sissy? his... his de- their de- Both of their decibel levels are insane. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, so what did you think of that guy? I thought he was great. The drummer in your band. <laughs> I thought he was... Uh, he's so handsome. No, I mean, <laughs> Greg and I, you know... There, there's again, as we said, there we've always had um, a connection since the minute he walked in and we like, and he saw Caleb and he saw Robin and he saw. By the way, Alex that's what Dave Grohl said about Taylor Hawkins. Yeah, Did that's right. Hawkins? No, that's Hawkins. A, yeah. Hawkins. He said the that's minute right. it was like love at first sight. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and and it was it was like that for obviously less of a time period than Dave and 
Taylor, but um, that's exactly what it was like. And I guess the only difference though is that him and I are the rhythm section. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, that's like a that's, that's a even more itself, yeah, yeah a connection in itself. Um, and I think we really do accommodate each other as well, which is a beautiful thing, on or off the stage. <laughs> You know, it's funny when he said how many concerts he went to. I, in my mind, I thought it would be more like thousands. Yeah. You know, because I mean, literally, there was times where he's just like always at concerts, just always going to shows. I know. I mean, hundred, you know, four hundred something is a lot, but I don't know. In my mind, it felt like even that. You know, I've got that concert um, box with all the concert tickets in it. I feel like there's thousands in there, but I guess there's only hundreds. No, right. I know. I, I do. I think that. I think. I feel like only because he got into, well, I'm not going to say he got into music later, but he kind of did to where, and he didn't, you know, he wasn't going to concerts all the time until probably his twenties or something, to be fair. Yeah. Well, I don't, I wasn't going to, yeah, I'll say myself, I didn't go to concerts until much later. Yeah, no, no, but I mean, like a consistent thing where it's where it's almost like once a week, you know, as he was saying. Um, But still, you know, when you think about it, though, four hundred and something—that's that's that's pretty nuts. (laughs) I mean, we should have talked to him about. (laughs) You know how, like, when Radiohead plays three nights and we go to all three nights, and people in our life are just like, "Why do you have to go all three nights?" (laughs) It's like what. What do you mean? Yeah. Why do I have to go? Because yeah. we have to. Because I have to. Because I have to, everybody. <laughs> well, that's the same thing, even though, okay, with Radiohead, it's a little different because their set list does change, even if it's a few songs here and there, and then the their encore, their three-time encore that they have, <laughs> um, those songs change. Uh, and then there's Phoebe Bridgers, where her songs didn't change, maybe but one. Mm. Um but it was still great. incredible. Yeah, yeah it's still, it's nice still to incredible go. to go back and see that person or yeah. band or whatever that you love and you're. You only get to see the, them so many times. That, you know? No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, that was that was cool having him on and hearing all the. I'm so glad I asked him about the tattoos. I didn't realize he probably told me the story a long time ago. I didn't realize the story behind the lighthouse, and I love those Anne Berlin lyrics. And yeah. it all comes back to the Cause I Have To podcast about passions. Yes. No, that's right. I know. And I mean, that's another thing, too, that that Greg shares with both of us is that he's always had that passion. And that's hence why he got it, you know, written on yeah. him permanently. Yeah. Because <laughs> he fully believes in it. Um, and, of course, you know, it's his favorite band of all time. So. Right. Yeah. It's a really rad tattoo. So Anne um, Berlin is not together anymore, right? Or did they get well, back together? yeah they that's the thing is that they're okay they've gotten back together i think i think two times Mm -hmm. uh maybe three but i think twice their last show originally was 2012 we were at i was at the show with them i think the whole band was i was at the house of blues in la um rest in peace um but they played (laughs) recently in the last few years so yeah then they got back together some years after that and started up again i um, haven't really listened to Anderlin, i don't think did i listen to them i know some of the music you like is too hard for me heavy yeah they're they are not uh you know they're they're definitely there's upbeat tempos and yeah. and aggressive beats but not singing though it's very passionate and i don't intense. like I don't, as, as my mom would say <laughs> i don't like that screaming <laughs> yeah right exactly every time i die they scream yeah yeah they don't they don't ever sing really I, mean, can, but, I should i wish i could have both of you on and be like how do you enjoy that <laughs> well because i do you, love when phoebe british screams at the end of that one song. see so that's the pa- that that's feeling it. that you it's, get it's a moment in the song it's i know the whole but... song <laughs> oh god greg where sing. are you son of a gun i wish you were here um <laughs> uh, no, seriously though, it's 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 like he was saying though, it's it's the feeling of the music, and and every time I die is is probably one of the most incredible bands you'll ever not even just listen to on record, but seeing them live is twelve thousand times more amazing than their records. Yeah. Um, 
and they're all talented. Every single person in that band is incredibly talented, which is also why it's a shame that they freaking broke up for many insane reasons, which I hope they won't day. get through. Maybe it's going to take a lot. <laughs> take a mount, move a mountain. No, it is. Yeah. Yeah. They have, there's too much history with them. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we wrapped this up. That was Greg Fullman, uh, drummer, Rival Tides, and music fanatic, just like us, but even more so. Yeah, which sometimes is hard to believe. But he goes to a lot of shows. We didn't talk to him about like he goes to a lot of shows solo. Yeah, he's a solo artist. Oh yeah, no, he and he'll always be like, "Hey, you want to go? I can't. Okay, well, I'm going anyway. So if you want to go, just let me know." (laughs) Okay. Yeah, like he says, he'll sit there in the back with his arms crossed and just. He's jam. one of those <laughs> that we would call an LA. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, MFR. What kind of show you putting on? Let's see. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Even I though know. deep inside he's like, oh, yes. oh yeah, yeah. That's very funny. I know. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another great episode. And mm-hmm. until next time, thanks for listening. Love you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Cuz I Have To podcast. The best way you can help us is share the show. Tell people about it. Share it with your friends on your socials. And also leave us a great iTunes review. Just Google Cuz I Have To podcast iTunes. Go to the bottom of the page and there's your review section. Make it good, will ya? Find us on Instagram at Cuz I Have To podcast. And email us, especially if you know someone living their dharma and you think they'd be a great guest on the show. It's cause I have to podcast at Gmail. And oh, we do love those voice messages. You can leave us one at anchor.fm slash cause I have to. Keep living those dreams, friends, because you have to. Till next time.